Palm Sunday text today is from Luke 19, beginning at verse 28. After he, Jesus, had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Ah, teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. The word of the Lord. Luke places this story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem right after passing through Jericho, where salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus, who changed his whole life after meeting the Lord. While many people were still gathered around, Jesus told the parable about the talents and what people did with those talents, those gifts, while their master was away. And Luke implies Jesus told this story so people would understand how the kingdom of God was not going to appear right away. And people would have to decide what to do with what they had been given as they waited for the Lord's return. Amen? Amen. From Jericho, Jesus heads east to Jerusalem. This would have been an arduous journey up and down through 14 miles of the valleys and hills of the desert. I watched a video of a group of college students who traveled this same path, and after hiking for nine hours in the heat, one of them said, Jesus did some hard work to come to die. <laughs> now he goes by way of Bethphage and Bethany, which are two miles outside of Jerusalem. Perhaps this was a stopping place for rest, as it is where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. Jesus tells the disciples to procure a donkey, 
And the way to do it might seem odd to us, but in their culture, it is called angaria. It means that a leader or ruler or rabbi could use another person's property temporarily for personal reasons. They say the Lord needs it, and the colt is given, no questions asked. Now, Jesus plans this royal display to enter Jerusalem for one last time. Sometimes we know actions are louder than words. And what needs to be conveyed needs to be done in a way that is unmistakable. Many wanted Jesus dead, and it would have been very easy for him to go into that bustling city by cover of darkness or slipping in while no one else noticed. But the time for him being careful about his identity and who he is was over. The Lord chooses to enter with great fanfare, making a bold claim which will hasten his death. We might call it an act of courage or defiance. Perhaps it is a mix of both. But Jesus knows exactly what he is doing as he is riding into the city. He knows exactly what he is going into. The procession where the disciples put their, put their cloaks on the colt and lead Jesus into the city evokes images from the Old Testament. As kings like Jehu and Solomon rode through the towns and the people celebrated their majesty and their greatness. Roman leaders and all kinds of dignitaries paraded through towns. They still do today in order to receive acclaim from the people. But no one goes on a donkey. <laughs> Jesus is giving the message that he is the king who serves. Fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah, this is a picture of the king coming in, not in power, but in humility, as in one of them. Luke keeps us focused on Jesus the whole ride. As the multitudes of disciples signal waves of praise, we see the one foretold who comes in the name of God, the promised Savior. Now, the commentator William Barclay sees this as a plea, that Jesus is making a plea for the people to see him as their true king. And because he knows that they will not, there's a moment in the procession where Jesus laments over Jerusalem. Descending from the Mount of Olives, there's a turn where you can see the entire city. And Jesus stops and weeps over the city for how they will reject God's chosen king and the consequences that will come as a result. In this, we see how we have a savior who longs for people to know him. We have a God whose love for us meets us at our greatest need, our greatest need that we can't get anywhere else. Only God can give us dignity and worth and identity, and forgiveness, and healing, and purpose, and new life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we would not perish, so we would live forever. So Jesus comes to Jerusalem on purpose. This has been his destination. He knows the cross is looming. And when he comes, everyone makes a fanfare over him. And this is good and right and perfect because he is the king, and people should be shouting Hosanna in the highest. They want him to rule them, which he will. But not then, not in the earthly sense. He wants them to receive his love. He wants them to receive what he came to give. 
But sometimes it's hard to receive something you don't think or know that you need. When Mark and I were newly married, we were visiting his family in the Bay Area. His mom was thrilled to have a first daughter-in-law. And she would show me all kinds of stuff, Mark's baby book, and tell me all kinds of stories about everything. Take me to buy things that we needed for our apartment because, of course, we had no money. And often, I would help her cook. You know, typical welcome to the family stuff. And one day, we were in the kitchen talking about nothing and everything. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she burst into tears and gave me the biggest hug I had ever received and said, I'm so sorry that you didn't have a mom growing up. That makes me so sad. I hope that I can be that for you now. Now, I need you to keep a few things in mind. Judy was one of the most empathic people I ever met. She valued and she lived out God's love in beautiful and life-giving ways. She had no problem expressing her love and allowing space for the feelings of others. She is the one who taught me it's okay to cry. If you're sad, cry. You can cry as long as you want. But at 25, with my brain barely formed, and not in tune with those emotions, this felt weird. I was not prepared for the onslaught of emotions, of affection and grace, and all I could do was stand there stiffly and hope that this moment would pass <laughs> while she hugged me and cried over me for my loss. Look at what is happening in this picture in Luke. At the first Palm Sunday, there is a lot going on. Some people are serving the Lord, doing what he asked. Others are giving generously of what they had for what is needed for others. Many are worshiping the one that they saw as the Messiah because they knew the things that he had done. Others were going about their regular lives and had no idea what all the hoopla was about. A few were offended. The Pharisees were offended and told Jesus to make the disciples stop worshiping immediately. I love Jesus' response. If people don't praise... All of creation will. In other words, the world that God made knows more about what is happening in God's life than the educated religious do. All of this is going on. And where is Jesus? Weeping. He's weeping over those who are far from him, who are hurting without a savior to love them. Jesus is driven to the cross, not by the angry throngs who wanted him dead, but by the love that he came to offer. In this instance, the Lord is crying over Jerusalem because he sees the fallout of what will happen when they don't trust him more. God weeps for us when we make choices that take us far from him. Jerusalem will be destroyed in 30 to 40 years from this day. And Jesus is sorrowful because his coming was meant to bring them peace. He came to offer himself to them, but their rejection would cause them their downfall. Rejecting and disregarding Jesus brings ruin. Jesus weeps over us, and sometimes we just can't enter into that moment with them, with him. We act like I did with Mark's mom. Oh, yeah, 
thank you, I'm fine, nothing to see here, I don't want you to worry about me. Everything's just great. Yet to be able to receive compassion for how it is offered is an act of humility and trust and a setting aside of our pride, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us feel, to enter into a moment when someone is weeping for you is an opportunity to acknowledge the pain and the difficulty in your life. It's a chance to not always be the giver. Jesus' tears show great love and hopes that he has for the people who don't have that hope for themselves. So we come now to this moment in the sanctuary. Jesus is here. And we are poised to take the cup and to take the bread. And we are here to receive what the Lord wants to give us. We are asked to accept God's embrace in our lives, being honest with him about how we really are, about what the condition of our hearts are. This is a moment for us to receive what Jesus wants to say to us, how he wants to express his tender mercy to us. Think about your life right now. Where is Jesus wanting to comfort you because you have been in mourning? Where is Jesus waiting with great compassion for the long road you have been on? What correction does Jesus need you to have? Because he doesn't want you to experience judgment later on. Let Jesus care for you today. Allow him to speak words of truth and mercy and love directly to you. Mark's mom is gone now. And I wish, I wish I could go back to that kitchen. I would do it differently today. I'm so much smarter. <clears throat> <laughs> I wish I could have received what she wanted to offer me. That in that moment, I could have accepted the love that she wanted to give. Instead, I was defensive and shut down because I didn't think I needed that. Thank you very much. When God comes to us, we can be defensive and have up a wall and distant and proud. And he says, please, please just come to me with open hearts and let me love you. Communion, common union is a time for us to allow Jesus to love us where we are. We come to this sacred moment carefully and intentionally and prayerfully, and we speak confession, which is not just about our actions, but also about our souls. Because in the places where we are hurting or hard of heart or confused or weary or hoping for more or worried or wondering if anything matters or angry or lonely, Jesus wants to affirm that he can meet those needs. Communion is meant to take us to the core of who we are and allow Jesus to minister to us, heart and body and soul, and to commit that vulnerability will continue to commit to go and to tell others that they also can receive from the table because all of us are hungry for that. 
We don't want to miss what God has for us because truly receiving him changes everything about our lives and helps us to live in peace. And sadly, even when we know the full picture of what Jesus came to give and who he is, we can still forget when we stop remembering, when we stop honoring, and when we stop receiving him. So as you take time in prayer today, be as available as you can be to the spirit of the Lord. Allow him to minister to you fully. Come with open hands to the Messiah whose death makes you whole. Jesus offers compassion. Jesus weeps over you. Where can his forgiveness cleanse you? At the beginning of the holiest of all weeks that we celebrate, we celebrate the Savior who came on a donkey to die a criminal's death on the cross for our sin. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.